Okay, good morning. It's great to resume our Living with Amuna Shear, or our Amuna support group, as we like to put it. We uh, concluded the section we were learning from the Siva Shalom, and so for today, I want to share with you, I want to learn with you, um, a piece from Mesila Sushalom, Misharim Path of the Just of the Ramchal, of Moshe Chaim Lutzato. This is Perech Chaval, it's deep into the Sefer. The Mesila Sushalom, the Ramchal was a fascinating individual. We're not going to take the time now to develop who he was. He lived in the 16th, 17th century. He lived in Padua, Italy. And he was a brilliant Talmud Chacham. He was an incredibly righteous and virtuous individual. But he was also somewhat of a Renaissance man. He very much participated in Italian poetry plays, not only attending secular Italian poetry and um, uh, plays and poetry, but writing it, authoring it himself. He was a great mystic. He was a Makubal. He was actually excommunicated and driven out of Padua for promoting and spreading Kabbalah in a time that there was a lot of uh, skepticism about him. He was really an amazing individual. But his Sefer, Mesila Susharim, the Ramchal's Sefer, is so unbelievable that the Gura, the Vonligon, is said to, have said, said to have said that he would walk across Europe barefoot in the snow in order to be able to spend a few moments at the Ramchal's feet. That every word in the Sefer is precious. The Sefer is based on a brisa, the Chazar, Pinchas Ben Yair, one of the great rabbis, gave us a 12-step program that if we follow these steps one after another, happens to be 12 steps, that it leads to Ruach HaKodesh, that a person who can conquer Zahirus and Zrizus and all these different attributes, qualities, traits within themselves, they can achieve a level of perfection or as close to the human being can come to perfection within themselves. So this is very deep into the Sefer. It's Perek it's chapter 21. It's Bedarche Knias Chasidus. It's how to acquire Chasidus. And uh, the reason we're skipping right to this, we're not studying Mesut Shar. I'm actually doing that with the um, cup of joe on Wednesday mornings. Um, but the reason we're doing this is not to study Mesut Sharam, but it's that every week or few weeks we take another section of something that talks about Amuna because it's reminding us, again, Amuna Bitachon, Dveikos, these qualities, living life with awareness, knowledge, mindfulness of God's role in our lives is all about conscientiousness, it's mindfulness, it's reminding ourselves. In fact, that's how the Ramchal actually begins his book. He begins his book by saying something that nobody ever thinks to put at the beginning of a book they want to sell, which is, he says, there's nothing new in my book whatsoever. My book says what you already know, so only buy it if you're going to read it over and over. Wow. If you're going to buy it and read it once and it's going to sit on a shelf and gather dust, don't bother. But the purpose of it is to remain mindful, read it over and over, because it's telling us what we already know, just what we need to be reminded of. And it's a brilliant, incredible, incredible safer. So this is B'darche Knesa Chasidus, how to acquire Chasidus. Chasidus here doesn't mean how to grow long pears and wear strimal and how to wear a uh, shaito with a little uh, hat on top of it or however your imagery of Chasidus. This is not Chasidus as in the students of the Baal Shem and the modern movement of Chasidus. This is Chasidus in the way that our rabbis, Chazal, our tradition uses the word Chasidus, which is piety, to reach the level of the Chasid. Chasid, the Gemara Chazal talk about the Chasidim Rishonim, the early pious individuals. This is one of the late stages, one of the last steps of this path towards perfection is to reach the level of being a chassid, to reach the level of this piety with, with the way with which you interact with the world. It's kind of a, a life in which you're not encountering temptation and overcoming it, but you've purged from within yourself even the temptation. Right? It's the difference between when you really crave the chocolate cake, but you say, you know, I'm not going to eat it, I shouldn't eat it. Or when you look at chocolate cake and you say, that's poison, I have no interest in that. I would never eat that. I would never put that in my body. So the chassid is the one who's purged from within themselves even that sense of temptation. All right, so here we go. 
What is the method? What's the path in order to acquire this life of Hasidus? How can you get to this level of self-awareness, of mindfulness, this lifestyle of where you're, you're not even tempted? It comes through extensive observation and profound contemplation. When a person thinks about, when a person contemplates the degree of Hashem's greatness, when you think about the cosmos, how vast it is, when you think about the world, how intricate and how detailed it is, when you think about Hashem's absolute perfection, and you think about the enormous gap that exists between His greatness and our lowliness. God is unbelievable. He is everything. And we are pathetic. So when a person realizes that, you'll be filled with a sense of awe and trembling. You'll live. You can't help but live with a sense of mindfulness. When you're in the presence of greatness, you're very conscientious about how you look, about what you're saying, about how you appear, about what they're going to think about you, about what you're doing. It's impossible that your mind's going to wander at that moment. It's impossible you're going to do something which is undignified or reflects poorly on you. Because you're so self-aware that you're in the presence of greatness and the vast gap between you and that greatness that you admire, whatever position of power, whatever accomplished person, whatever person of achievement in an area that you admire, but when you're with them, you're so aware and self-aware. So says the Ramchal that if you want to be able to live with a, a... high degree of, of self-awareness and self-control and self-discipline, then it's by contemplating that we are always in the presence of Hashem, to feel Him with us all the time, that He's always with us, that He's always watching, that He's always present. Not always present in like a big brother, you're in trouble, I got security cameras on you, Facebook is uh, monitoring you kind of way, <laughs> but more in a Hashem is your best friend, He's always, you're never alone, He's always by your side, He's living life, He's confronting things with you. You're never ever alone. You're never isolated. You should never feel alone. You always have that support system. But that support system happens to be you have an audience with the divine. You have an audience with the most powerful. You have an audience with the source of everything. So when you live with a high degree of self-awareness of the vastness, and then you can't help but be, maintain a self-awareness of what we're doing, how we appear, how we, the impression that we're making, and so on. This notion, by the way, that the Ramchal says, the importance of knowing the difference between us and Hashem is what Rav Pinkus describes what we do at the beginning of davening. We have in our Amida 19 brachos. 13 middle ones are bakasha, they're requests. 13 middle ones are the essence of tefillah. When we with great humility and an utter sense of submission and dependence say, Hashem, if I'm going to have parnasa, I need you. Health of the people I care about, I need you. Nachas for my children, I need you. Shalom bias, I need you. Justice in the world, I need you. All of the principles, these 13, which the Anshe Knesset Agadol, the men of the Great Assembly, with their tremendous, divinely inspired wisdom, authored and orchestrated for us timelessly. In other words, they knew forever that they would be, no matter where you live and no matter when you live, these 13 things that we ask for are the 13 core things that matter in everyone's life. If you want to know what our rabbis saw as being our priorities, we don't ask for it. None of the 13 brachas are a nicer car or a bigger house. You have Baruch Aleinu is, is Parnasa. Help me provide for myself and provide for my family in a dignified way. 
But none of them are, can I have honor, a bigger name, give me more likes of followers on Facebook or Twitter. None of the 13 brachas in the middle are things that are insignificant or inconsequential. If you want to know what matters or what our rabbis saw as mattering, as, care, as what we should care about, look at those 13 brachas. They are the roadmap to what matters. Atachonin adam das. Knowledge. How we can expand our mind, how we can maintain our memory, how could we have knowledge. People with memory loss and dementia and you know, what that bracha means, what we take for granted in our youth about what we remember until you can't remember where you put the keys or you're around people who you're not sure continue to recognize you. That bracha, atachonin adam das. The capacity to maintain memory and knowledge. What a bracha. How much that matters. Hashem, give us hashivenu avinu l'sorasecha. Give us the ability to come close to you. Slach lanu avinu. What a request. Every day, forgive me. I've neglected you. I've dismissed you. I've disregarded you. I'm pathetic. I claim to love you and look how much I ignore you. So please forgive me. And the fact that Hashem is willing to grant forgiveness is absolutely incredible. Slach lanu. And go down. I'm not going to take you all 13. But some we connect to. Rafa'inu, everybody connects with. But Borech Aleinu, no matter what position you are in life, you can't ever take it for granted. It could disappear as quickly as it came. And Borech Aleinu, Hashem, I don't take it for granted. Thank you. And please maintain it, sustain it, and support it. And all of the, all of the brachas, Allah Tadikim, I, I find tremendous inspiration in saying, uh, in saying Allah Tadikim. A lot of people don't connect to Allah Tadikim, Allah Hasidim, talking about these righteous people. But that's to me, it's Velone Voshki Vachabatachnu. I'll never be embarrassed, I'll never be ashamed, I'll never be hesitant, because Hashem, I put my trust in you. It's in you. I'm saying these 13 brachos, I'm standing in front of you as if there's nothing else in the world, because yes, I'm going to go to work, and I have to go to the doctor, and I've got to go to the bank, and I've got to go to this, and I've got to go to this. But before I go do all that, God, I want to make clear, that while I do all that, I know that you're the one who has the keys. Because those are the people who live that life, and I aspire to be counted among them. And the way to be counted among them is to live with a sense of bitachon, to live with a sense of awareness that it's you. Of course, Shema Koleinu, which is the open one, fill in whatever you want. Like my potato could go come out well, make me not get stuck in traffic, make my, you know, I don't know, let's say it's possible I have a daughter taking a big chem test today, let her do well, let her know all the answers, let her be confident, you know, whatever the case may be. Shema Koleinu is the open one, fill in whatever you want. People think that you can only fill in a Shema Koleinu. I try to fill in in every bracha. The more you personalize each and every bracha, the more personalized all of the Amida is. Ritzay, we spoke about yesterday in the Parsha class, because it relates to our Parsha. In our beginning of our Parsha, when Aaron is told, Moshe and Aaron, there's a Yehi Ratzon that's recited at the end of the, the Kohanim, after they bring the Karbonos, would recite a Yehi Ratzon. Hashem, may it be Ratzui before you. The Karbonos we've just brought, may they be satisfactory, may you accept them positively, may you respond to them positively. Ms. Levitchik said, that's exactly what the paragraph would say represents for us. Hashem, the 13 things I've just asked for, accept them from where they come. I mean them genuinely. Please only do them if they really will be what's right and what's good for me. They are, the Ritzei is the Ritzui. It parallels the Yihiratzon that the Kohanim would say after their Korban that we say, God, all these things I just asked for, please only respond positively to them if they're in fact good for me. Don't just give them to me because I asked. Only give them to me. And please be open to giving them. Please be positive to them. And then we get to modem. So, the, so the, those are the middle. Those are the 13, right? So the first three are shabach, their praise. The last three are hoda'a, their gratitude. How could you ask all the... What makes somebody more likely to grant what you've asked for than you're saying, and by the way, thank you so much for all the help you've given me before. I don't take it for granted. I don't forget about it. I'm ever, I'm ever 
mindful of how much you've done for me, and I want to thank you. Modim, hoda'a, I make an admission, I admit that I needed you, I admit that I rely on you, thank you for what you've done for me. Rabbi Penner spoke at Shalashilis a few weeks ago and described very beautifully that when he says that bracha of modim, he pauses, he feels his heartbeat in his chest, and he feels his few breaths, and only when he's paused long enough to feel his heart beating in his chest and his breath, does he turn and say, Modim, thank you, Hashem, I'm alive. I have a heartbeat, I have breath, I have air in my lungs. And that's what puts him in the mindset of, of Modim. The last three are Hoda'a. Why am I telling you all this? Because the first three are Shevach. Hashem, you're mighty, you're great, you're all in control, you control the weather, you control life, you control the resurrection of the dead, you're all powerful, you are everything. You're great. Hashem, have I told you you look good today? Hashem, I told you. So why do we do? So Rav Pink is asked, why do we start with Shabbat? So the misunderstanding, the easy misconception is, why do I start with Shabbat? Because I'm about to give Hashem 13 things I'm going to ask Him. So I say, have I told you how pretty you look today? Listen, my buddies and I want to. Right before you do a big ask, so it's like we're buttering Hashem up because we're about to do 13 big asks. So first we say, God, have I told you how mighty and great you are? So the Rav Pinka says that's a total misconception. It's not at all why we're doing it. Do you think Hashem is so shallow that He's going to fall for that? It's a joke. That's ridiculous. So why do we start with Shabbat? Says Rav Pinkus, because what we're doing is before we can ask Hashem for anything, we remind ourselves why He is the source we're turning to to give us those things. The Shabbat, the praise of Hashem, is not to position Him to be more likely to answer us. It's to position us to have greater concentration, to be more invested in what we're about to ask. So that's exactly what the Ramchal is saying here, that we need to contemplate ha'hercha kabilti mishoar, the gap, the distance that is immeasurable. It is so large. Sheben so, the vast gap between his greatness, uben shiflusenu, and our being absolutely, utterly pathetic. We are so temporary. We are so pathetic. And Hashem is just perfection. He's everything. He is infinite, omnipotent, the source of all. And when we think about Hashem's great kindness to us, and His love for the Jewish people, So when you think about the nearness of the just to Him, and the loftiness of the Torah and the mitzvos, and related analysis and studies, the Ramchal here is working off the Rambam in the second chapter of Hilchus Sodei Torah who tells us that when you contemplate Hashem's greatness, when you contemplate the, the details of the universe, the minutia, the beauty of Hashem's world, you cannot help but feel a burning love, a desire, a longing to come close to Him, to cling to Him. When you think about just how, how great, how magnificent, study Hashem's miracles, study Hashem's nature, study the minutiae and intricacies of the universe. Go to Montana, to Glacier National Park, and see the beauty of the world that He's created. Mara Buma Secha Hashem, and Vadai, you can't help but V'yivchar V'yisava L'davikbo. Say, wow, wow. You know you have those moments where something happens where you feel, you know, most of the time you walk around and think the universe revolves around me. Yeah. My day, my problems, my successes, my life, what I want, what I need, what I got, what happened to me, the whole world revolves around me. It's just a natural human tendency. It's the human psyche. It just feels like that. We interpret 
and we filter and we interact with the world through the lens of our lives. That's just the natural world. But once in a while something happens and you realize you make contact with something that's so much bigger than you. Whether you've studied history and you realize just how amazing how things happened the way they did, whether you're in some magnificent um, scene, scenery, you see the world, you see nature, whether something that seemed like a coincidence happened, whether, whatever the case may be, you make contact with the, the greatness of the world, how much bigger it is than ourselves. In that moment, you think, wow, this world is so much bigger than me. It's incredible. I'm nothing. I'm immeasurable. And, and, and I'm just a tiny little dot, a blip in the screen of the whole world. And I want to cling, I want to connect with the one who is the source of that whole world. As it is, Hashem created the world that He's our Father, literally. In other words, it's not just a metaphor that God is our Father. He is our Father. He fathered us. He's our parent. And He loves us like a parent loves a child. It awakens within Him the will. So the more that we act, the more that we rather recognize Hashem is our Father, the more that we as a child want to cling to our Father. The more loving parents are to children. No, the more, we no, the more parents are loving to children, the more children reciprocate that love and affection towards parents. And so the more that we feel Hashem's love towards us, that we reflect upon and think about and contemplate and see Hashem as our affectionate and loving Father. That every morning that I wake up is His giving me a kiss on the cheek. That everything that's worked out for me is His hug. That His guiding hand is, is in my life. The more I feel His love and affection, the more as a child I will want to reciprocate and be driven towards that love towards Him. Now how do you accomplish this, says the Ramchal? How do you accomplish this? How do you get to that point? Thinking about the vast gap between us and him, thinking about the cosmos and the universe, thinking about just how impressive this world is. How do you get to that point where you realize he's our father and he loves us and we should love him? It doesn't happen in a busy life with no space, no margin, no time. It doesn't happen when you're surrounded by noise that there's no quiet to think. How does it happen? Yizbodeid bechadarav. That word yizbodeid is the word badad, means to be alone. Hinam levadad yishkon. We're described as a nation that dwells alone. Hispodet is to be alone. Hispodedus. Hispodedus is to spend time in meditation, in contemplation, in self-reflection. Says Ramchal, if you're just running through the rat race of life, if you just have so much noise surrounding you all the time, you will never have a breakthrough to feel these things, which are the very things that will give your life meaning, joy, strength and support. So you think that by being busy all the time, or you think by having noise all the time, that is what's going to give you meaning, and it's the opposite. If you create no margin, and you make no space, and you never make quiet to be able to have breakthrough, then you'll never have breakthrough. Hispodidus, Nachman of Breslov made this famous or popular. The idea of designated time every day for Hispodidus. Every day. Followers, true followers of Rav Nachman will put aside a minimum of an hour a day. You try doing it for 60 seconds and you'll break out in hives. It's very hard. If you've ever tried it, it's very hard. Turn your phone off. Turn everything off. Sit alone in a chair with nothing. And just, whether your eyes are open or closed, 
Hispodidus, you will realize and you will feel that it is very, very challenging. So Rav Nachman and his followers would set aside an hour, or an hour in the morning, an hour at night. Different than davening. Davening is the formula that we talked about. Hispodidus is not davening. Is that like meditation? It's meditation. It's more. Real Hispodidus is actually a conversation with Hashem. It's talking to Him. It's talking to yourself about Him. It's talking to Him. It's talking to Him about what's going on in your life. Like a check, like a checking in. It's a checking in. It's filling him in. It's like you're calling a parent. It's like you're calling a best friend. It's like you're having coffee with someone. You're telling him, "Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm grateful for. Here's what I need your help with. I want to talk to you. Here's what I need to work on. Here's what right. It's his bodedus. So whether you can do it in the you know Hasidic or mystical sense, or whether it's just a matter of slowing down life, slowing down your pace of life, his bodedus is critical. You need space to have this breakthrough. It's only in silence that breakthrough, that breakthrough happens. Well, the other thing that will help, he says, Ramchal, is Tehillim. So he says, David HaMelech lived an incredible life. David HaMelech lived uh, doing Nach Yomi. So we went through Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Beis, now we're Malach Aleph, and it has David HaMelech's life. David HaMelech's life, you know, we think of David HaMelech with beautiful women and a harp and a powerful kingdom and a mighty warrior, but you read about his life and whatever challenges you have in your life, I'm going to guess they, they don't live up to David. His father-in-law tried to kill him. His, wives were, his wife was disloyal to him. He had the whole episode with Bacheva and Achet. God himself said, I'm disappointed in you. He had a, a, a son and a daughter, and then another son who killed his brother. He had rebellion within his kingdom, within his own family. He had rebellion within his own officers and cabinet. He had his whole life. He's running, he's on the run, he's hiding, he's squashing rebellion, the division of the kingdoms. It's just, his whole life was filled with challenges. Yes, it had glory. Yes, it had high moments. But he never says, why is me, woe is me, and where is God? He turns and uses it to propel him to get closer to God, closer to Hashem. So says the Ramchal, implanted within Tehillim are the highs and the lows, the joys and the successes, and the challenges, and the suffering, whatever your experience, the totality of human experience and human emotion is contained within Tehillim. You have to find that parak. you have to find that outpouring of poetry and prose of David, and you will be able to connect with it, and to connect through his words. So that too is an important. Kibios, as we said, we're filled with that. The third thing is to read the stories, biographies of righteous people. We've talked about this before. Tal Ben Shachar said it, the happiness expert at Harvard, when he was here and spoke at the shul, that if you want to be motivated, you want to grow, and the same is true if you want to be motivated and grow in your relationship with Hashem, the number one thing to read is not self-help books, the number one thing to read is biographies. Biographies. I'm reading right now a great biography of the Klosenberger Rebbe Zatzal. But biographies, there's great men, there's great women, we have no shortage of them throughout our history. You read biographies of these people, whether we feel we can ever measure up to them or not, but they, they inspire, they set the standard, they push us. Yeah, so reading biographies or hearing their stories, if I was reminding me tonight, the Yom program, 7 o'clock, 
We have a wonderful 97-year-old survivor, a very special man who's going to share his story. And when you hear people, their challenges, their travails, who can forget last year, Mr. Judovitz, mm. when, when I asked him, how did you maintain your faith even after what you went through? He said, I had lost my physical parents. Well, I was going to give up my last father, my last parent. Yeah. Why would I? I couldn't live without him. So when you hear the stories of what, in the biographies of these great people, what they overcame, it puts things, it puts our lives in context and it gives us strength for what we need to overcome. So the Ramchal has laid out for us. What are the three things to do in order to maintain this Hasidus? How do you get to that level of self-awareness, that level of self-control, that level of mindfulness? Number one, spend time reflecting on God. Understand who He is and the contrast to us, that vast gap. See His magnificent world. Challenge yourself to expand your mind and to understand, and you will crave to get close to Him. Feel He is our Father, and you as a child will want to reciprocate the affection and the love to Him. That only happens, said the Ramchal, with space, quiet, hispodidus, self-reflection, contemplation. Number two was, David HaMelech, Tehillim, tap into the power of Tehillim. And number three is, read the stories of Hasidim. Ach, mafsideh Hasidus. So those are the things that help you acquire it. What are the things that are obstacles to it, that deter you from it? Amen. You know what hurts you? This is when you get to the hard part. What hurts you, what's an obstacle to achieving it is preoccupation with other matters and worries. Worry. Worry, anxiety. When a person's mind is preoccupied and distressed by anxieties and his affairs, you'll never be able to find the space and the quiet to have the breakthrough in these areas. Now, I just want to be clear, we're not talking about somebody who has um, mental health, diagnosed anxiety, there are real disorders and, and challenges that need to be treated in a, in a proper way, and the answer to them is not emuna. you know, learn a book about emuna and it'll go away. That's, that's part of the answer to it, and it's part of the answer to every one of us, but there are serious diagnoses of anxiety and so on that need sometimes medication, that needs therapy, that needs support. So I want to be very clear in saying that the Ramchal is not suggesting if you have anxiety, it's because you don't have Amuna. You know, read a book about Amuna, listen to talks about Amuna, and you won't have anxiety. But I'm talking about the people who don't have a diagnosis of anxiety, but just the, they're just Jewish. They just have... They just have... They just have... They just, have the, uh, they just are living in this world that, that everything makes you anxious, you know? What will work out? Will it work out? What's going to be? What's going to happen? Is everything okay? There's just... There's so many moving parts to our lives that there's so much to be anxious about. One can't help but being anxious. So says the Ramchal, he's identified the number one obstacle to a mindful life of piety, of, of tranquility, of serenity, of meaning, of purpose, of joy, of fulfillment, of satisfaction. <clears throat> the biggest obstacle is being scattered in your brain. Is not having the space to sit, to think, to experience, to feel. I was thinking about speaking about it at the Shabbos. I don't know if I will or won't, but I'll tell it to you now. So at the end of the Parsha, if I do, you'll forget it by the Shabbos morning. Sure. At the end of the Parsha, <laughs> among the list of non-kosher animals is a sheretz. Sheretz hasharetz al ha'aretz. The sheretz is the creepy, crawly insect. Shrutzen. A sheretz is an insect. And the Torah describes it not only as being not kosher, but it's also metame. It contaminates. So Rev. Biederman brings down, I forgot from which Rebbe, that the reason a sheretz contaminates, the tumma of a sheretz is sheratz. It's always running. 
moving, 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 quick, quick, quick. You know what brings tumma into your life? When you're always running, running, running. You're on that treadmill. You're running, running. You can't ever slow down. The Baal Shem Tov used to say, we say in Shema, Va'avaratem Mehera. The Pasuk in Shema means that we will quickly be removed from the land as a punishment. But the Bashem homiletically described, our mission is to destroy the attitude of Mehera in our lives. Right? That this life, we're always on the run. Quick, quick, quick. Faster, faster, faster. Get it done, get it done, get it done. More, more, more. That mentality, it, it, it's killing us. It's, it's, it's killing us. Physically, it's killing us. All kinds of ailments. I once gave a drusha about this in the past, past that talks about how shallow we're breathing. Who said? You heard on the radio, right? That we're breathing in such a shallow fashion that that's hurting us. We're not, we're not taking deep breaths. Rebelli Melov Goldberg did a whole... Anyone go to that session he gave when he was here on that? He's such an unbelievable person that he's doing a private session with me this afternoon in it. I, I was away. Where were we? At a wedding? Had to fly somewhere? I missed it. But I mentioned to him the stress of the rabbinate and how many medicines I take a day for different gifts that the rabbinate has given me. And um, so he said, I got to work with you. I can help you. And he's so nice. I forgot. And he emailed me yesterday and we said, time. unbelievable. But we're, all, we're breathing too shallow. Do you know that there's studies that show that, that young people, because they spend all their time looking down at a screen, they're not, their whole diaphragm is caved in. They're not getting deep breaths. Their lungs, the whole, our, our anatomy, our health, our, our body, our, yeah. We're not sure, we're tensed up, we're not breathing, everything. So, a sheretz, the tumma in our lives is as a result of sheretz. Running, 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 doing, doing, doing. Fast pace. Do we ever stop? Disconnect. We do. We supposedly have Shabbos, but even Shabbos. We're competing, we're running, we're doing, we're serving, we're, we're hosting, we're... You gotta slow down. That's why I take a good nap on Shabbos. <laughs> stop running. <laughs> Thanks to my wife. So, v'yavartem heira. We have to destroy that attitude, that mentality of the, of the meheira. So the biggest obstacle to this contemplative life, the biggest challenge that's stopping us from achieving the lives we're meant to live, the serenity, the peace, the tranquility we're meant to have is the worry, the anxiety, the pace of life. If you don't make room to contemplate, if you never stop and think, if you can't ever stop and interpret the world, if you can't look at the world, if you can't stop and look at your day and say, wow, look at how that worked out, that was amazing. I feel Hashem in my life. That was so kind of Him that that worked out the way it did. I never thought it was going to. Isn't that amazing? The little things, to identify the little things. But if you don't ever have time, sheretz, if you're a sheretz, sheratz, if you're always running, then how can you achieve chasidus? And even if you have found the capacity to slow down and you did achieve breakthrough, but if you return to that rate and that pace of life, then all your breakthrough is going to disappear. You're right back to where you were because you have no time to be in a disciplined way and in a slow way. We'll save the rest of this for next time. But, so what we identified was what we're seeking to achieve. The, the reason we're studying this is, and again, we're not doing this to learn Mesir Sasharim, we're doing this in our Emunah Shir as our section, our selection of Emunah. He's going to get to Emunah being the antidote, Emunah being the answer. Bitachon being the ingredient to our lives, which gives us the strength to slow down. And it gives us the wherewithal to overcome our anxiety and our stress. It gives us the wherewithal to deal with whatever we have to deal with so that we can find the margin, the space, the quiet to live the lives that we're meant to live. It's all about Mitzrayim. Did we not just yeah. out of Mitzrayim and that's the Ramon?
reminded, as he told us many, many times, reminded every day, yep. all the time, to be conscious and stop that's Mitzrayim, Mitzar, the Mitzar of Mitzrayim, and a Mitzar Krasika. Yeah, and that's and Sfira Saomer. This is our time. We're right. counting Tvesach and Shavuos is uh, every day. We're trying to make progress. We're trying to improve. This is a forty-nine day challenge. I have certain personal things I took upon myself for these forty-nine days. A forty-nine day challenge to see if we can do it. You can't say this is a challenge forever because forever it's very hard to maintain something. But if you set yourself for 49 days, 49 days, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Certainly not more than X, Y, and Z. If you take more than 30 things, probably shouldn't take more than one thing. But you take a small thing and you, you, you challenge yourself and to grow in that area. Can I make space? Can I find the quiet? Can I do these things that I promised myself I'm going to do in a more meaningful way? Be it in our relationships, time with our spouse, with our children, be it in our conversation with Hashem, setting aside time for davening or the quality of that davening, be it in areas we want to work on, Shemir HaSalashon, Shemir HaSalashon, whatever it is in life, but that's exactly what this period is supposed to stimulate growth. And, and it's not a coincidence between, you know, for us, we live in a very seasonal community. We're very lucky. Because after Pesach, things do slow down. Yeah. It, may not, it, may not, it may not feel that way. It may not, it may not feel that way. It may not feel that way. No, wait, listen. We're still busy. There's a lot going on. But you know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you this. It's not a coincidence. I think everything is from Hashem. No, it's not. Everything is from Hashem. That we have Dafka during Sfirah Saomer, we have the loss of Rabbi Kiva's students and the mourning that there's no simchas right now. Right? Okay, it happens to be we have some simchas, but whatever. There's not simchas during, during, during the period of Sfirah. And you know what? That slows things down also. That creates some space. That creates some margin. That creates some quiet. You're not, your next Sunday and your next Shabbos and your next every day is not running to the next Simcha. Because part of this time when we're growing is make the space and use it to grow. Whether the next 49 days you're going to read a little bit every day because there's a book that's going to help you grow, biography that you're committed to conclude by the end of the 49 days, whatever it is, every 49 days you're going to listen to another shir, whatever challenge you take upon yourself, but we have those opportunities for, this is a period of breakthrough. So that when we come to Harsinai, when we stand together at the base of the mountain, at the end of the 49 days on Shavuos, we are different people on the base of that mountain. We are ready. We've, what, what is this we're getting? We were on the 49th level of Tumah, and we're trying to climb out. What creates Tumah? Sheretz, Sheratz. Slow down. We're slowing life down a little bit so that we can get to the mountain, that when we get there, we're actually really there. Okay, have a great week. See you next week.